Do I have to say continue? Yep. I think you have to accept that I'm recording you. I can't record you in private and re reveal all your secrets to the world. <laughs> uh, good afternoon. Today I'm speaking to Liz. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi Donna. Uh, yeah, my name is Liz or Elizabeth or lots of other ones I won't go into because we'll be here all day. Um, I am. I live in Buckinghamshire now with my partner Ollie and my two scruffy dogs, Izzy and Coco Belly. Well, Coco Bell, but she's now called Belly, which sounds awful. Um, and I have been a hypnotherapist. I have been a makeup artist in the film industry. I've been a life coach. I've been a fitness instructor. I've done it all. I've done loads and loads and loads of stuff. I've worked in retail most recently for like the last decade or so. But <clears throat> throughout all of that, running through that, my one, my one big passion is writing and I've always written not professionally I've always written about everything I've done like when I had my fitness classes don't know if I mentioned I was, did that as well I would write about that I would like keep a diary so writing is really where I am and I got made redundant <clears throat> let me see December 2018 and in January I thought what am I going to do so I decided it's now or never. I've got three children that are all grown up, Dean, Terry and Joe, and my children now have children. So I'm a, I've got children, children, can't say grandchildren, joking. I've got children, children, I've got grandchildren. So, but now really, you know, I've got the time <clears throat> to focus on what I love. So that's what I've started doing. And so far I've notched up five, which sounds like a lot, but it's not, I could have done more, but since lockdown, I've, I shall openly admit I've just sort of like blocked out really. So here we are, glad to talk about it and take my mind off the fact that I'm not writing today because I can't. It's like I never even wrote any books. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've got five books released now. Yeah. And what was um, your most recent one is in the last few days, isn't it? Or is it not uh, quite? No, it's about May although there were quite a few end of May and there were some TV problems with the Kindle um, where people couldn't download it. So then they redid it again. So it looks like it only came out in July, but yeah, it's out now, my most recent one. And it was right as something you wanted to do from a child. <laughs> uh, little plug there. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's funny. I don't think I ever thought about it of it as a career. I don't think I even thought it could be a career. It still isn't a career. <laughs> oh, really. But I know that I loved it as a child, you know, as soon as I could hold a pen, I have memories of my mum getting cross because all the kids were out playing summer holidays and I was sitting at the desk that we had. It actually wasn't a desk. It was my dad's piano stool. And I used to use it as a desk, like a real writer and sit there with loads of paper and just write stories after stories. My dad, bless him, used to come home with like old work diaries that, um, you know, they'd just use a few days. So he'd pull the pages out and then hand me this big pile like that and go, there you go, Shani. And I'd be like, oh, when I saw these diaries, honestly, because they were like hardback, you know, when things were proper back in the day, um, I used to look at them and think, 
they look like books that need to be written. So that's what I did. I started writing in them. I didn't publish any of that. Obviously. But, uh, yeah, so I've always written. I've always loved writing. I did little things, you know, like entered competitions along the way and wrote into magazines as a kid. You know, I don't know if Jackie magazine, I'm sure that was long before your time and the Diana <laughs> magazine. I used to write in and, and often get the star letter. I was really like proud of myself, but that was only because I made up something so unbelievable and funny that they're like, oh, I'd, I'd get the star prize. I think it was like two pound or something. I felt really rich. So it used to spur me on to tell more little lies or I should say stories, tell more little stories for money. So yeah, but I've, I'm so glad I've eventually finally blown the dust off of not writing and actually thought, yeah, I, you know, I've now got the time. I suppose as well, you know, having three kids uh, all of my life, it's never had an opportunity to present itself. I have tried actually, because the memoir that I've just published I, is my second memoir, actually. The first memoir is still in production. It's three quarters written and it's 97. So I've always been writing to write properly along the way. So hopefully I have that one out. Maybe if I pull my finger out, we'll see. <laughs> Um, so what made you choose the genre you write in and then what made you choose to write a memoir? Okay, um, well, I wrote the memoir first. Um, I chose to write the memoir because there were quite a few reasons, actually. A lot of bad things happened, a lot of tragedy in my family over a 10-year period um, from 2008 to about 2017, that sort of time. Anyway... My partner, Ollie, said to me, you should write about this because I can't remember who died first or what, you know? And I'm like, I can't write that. I, I can't actually mentally, I couldn't write that. And he said, well, you can because you do write. He said, and you should do it for your children. And the day before, my daughter had said to me, how do you remember what happened, mum? It's all such a blur. And that's when it clicked. I thought, you know what? I am going to write this and I'm going to write it for my poor kids who were young adults when, like, my sister died, my other sister died, my brother died, my mum died, my sister. It was ridiculous. It was five of them in a really short space of time. And <clears throat> processing grief, don't know if you know or don't know, you know, it's it's... It's not something you can choose, it sort of takes hold of you. And I worried about my children and going forward into adulthood with, you know, with baggage, if you like, that was causing them problems. So I thought if I write about it and they read about it, they can put the jigsaws together and go, oh, okay. And then maybe cry or get it out of their system. So that was my, but I'd also as well, it's such a complex thing. So I'm really going on, aren't I? No, but my sister, my sister had a car accident which left her brain damaged after being in a coma for a long time and that the treatment I'm not going to blame anyone I'm just going to say let's say the medical world is not equipped to deal with that it's not a broken leg that you can say put a plaster on it's like oh how do we deal with this and a lot of the time incorrectly um 
So I wanted a, <clears throat> there was a lot of frustration and it went on for six years before she eventually passed. And there was so much frustration with, with us as a family, not getting the right help and support that I wanted to raise awareness. You know, I wanted people to be aware. I wanted to speak out because the frustration, you know, it leaves you feeling very stifled and silent. You know, I felt sorry for my nieces, Amy and Lucy, my sister's two daughters. They were both early twenties when it happened. <clears throat> trying to cope with a tragedy like that and suddenly be the adults having to make all these really important decisions about their mum's welfare, which, <clears throat> you know, it, it changed and evolved as she did. Um, so it's quite a complex thing, brain injury, and I wanted to raise awareness to that. I wanted to raise awareness to mental health, which was something that happened to my sister my other sister and suicide, which happened, and also alcoholism, which my brother had. There's quite a lot. And as I was writing about it all, you know, I thought I'm actually writing about universal themes that everyone can relate to, not just me or my children. And I thought, I think I've actually got something more. And so it propelled me to carry on really. I thought if I can help people, like maybe not feel so lonely in their grief, maybe appreciate the family that they have because I haven't really got one anymore, you know, and, and it is helping a lot of people now. So that's just a really lovely bonus. Brie, I wrote that, I have to tell you the, bit, the other bit of your question, sorry. And then um, I was too scared to, to put it out. I was like, I'm a really private person. Why the hell am I, why? And I didn't even understand myself why I did it. So. I, when I'd finished it, I was like, now what? What do I do? So I thought, well, you're a writer now. You've just written a book. You've just written 78,000 words. Um, it's with a literary agent, because it was at the time. And I thought, carry on writing. So that's when I wrote all the little books, I say, you know, the, the, the other four. I say little books, because they're novellas. They're like 22,000 words, that sort of thing. And I thought, if I put them out first, I'll see if people like what I've written. And if I'm a real writer, because I don't think I had much confidence. I don't think a lot of writers don't have, especially in the beginnings in that way. And people did like it. And it gave me the confidence to think, yeah, I am going to publish the memoir. So that happened in May. And that's been the journey of me from 2018, December, end of the world, got made redundant to today. I've now got five little books, which I'm quite proud of. <laughs> That's amazing. And I can't wait to see the reaction to my memoir as well. I imagine it will be uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's doing good. I've got quite a lot as well. The response is phenomenal, actually. It's um, the, the reviews that I'm getting are just... I didn't expect it. I don't know what I expected. I don't think I expected anything. I thought people would do this or not want to talk to me or you know it's nuts the thoughts that you have but the overwhelming response is like laughter and tears and I didn't think that that would happen to other people because I don't cry I didn't cry when I wrote it <clears throat> you know I wouldn't have been able to write because I don't want to get <laughs> you know I, I very much had to put myself in a strong mind <clears throat> Um, and be able to be focused enough to tell the story. So I put like a wall between me, if you like, like a sheet of glass. So it's like I was watching events unfold, which protected me from the pain of it, but to try and tell it in the way that it happened for the reader. And so when people say they 
they cry, I'm like, oh, oh, okay, sorry. But they're like, no, don't be sorry, it's good to cry. I'm like, okay, it's good to cry. <laughs> but they also laugh. I wanted to balance it because it's very dark. Everything that happened is quite dark and it's tragic. And it's like bomb, 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 tragedy. And I couldn't cope with the thought that it was like that. So I balanced it with funny, funny family stuff light so that you know the scales felt like that and by putting loads of stupid stuff in it because I am essentially a stupid person I, I feel like I've done this I've made a fairly balanced uh story and has anyone contacted you to say that you've actually helped them loads 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 I've got you know um I, I do encourage people, you know, when I, people have bought the book or I know people or they've seen it somewhere, I always say to them, please give me feedback. Um, in the beginning, it was like, give me feedback because I'm like, you know, I want to know. But now I still want the feedback just to make sure that that person wasn't lying about laughing and crying. They weren't just saying it because they felt sorry for me. Like, you know, oh, yeah, tell it made you laugh and cry. It was rubbish, really, you know? So it's like every time you want someone else to confirm it, and so many, I think I've got about 181 um, five-star reviews. And oddly, three one-star reviews. <laughs> but they don't say why, although one person did. She said why, and it was because they couldn't download it onto the Kindle. <laughs> because there were those issues. But, and it's like, oh, thanks, you know, so, but, you know, it's okay, it's all good. But, yeah, a lot of people have, have, and a lot of people message me and say, I feel like I know your family, I feel like I'm part of your family. That's so sweet. It's so, oh, so sweet. So talking, talking to people that have read it, what it gives me is it, it keeps my family alive, which is the, the bonus that I never, ever thought writing this would give me. It's just wonderful. And what did your kids think? I don't think they've read it. I don't suppose my sons have read it. A, because they're really busy. Really, really busy. B, because they're boys. Uh, my daughter read it, but she read the first draft, which was like 10,000 words more rubbish than it is now. So I'm like, please, read the second one, read the second but because she's read the first. But... She did say it made her cry. More importantly, my, my niece, my nieces actually, who I actually dedicated it to, my nephew who lost his mum, my nephew Dylan, and my two nieces, Amy and Lucy, who they lost their mum, that's my other sister, Di. She was the one that had the brain damage. I really wrote it for them to, so, you know, to break the silence. And I think it's, affected them a lot my own children yes it's sad for them it's their aunts and uncles and everything and and it did help them but my niece was just so overwhelmed when I just sent her a copy and hadn't said anything she just put this like string of sad crying faces on Facebook and was like oh my god uh yeah I cannot believe what my auntie has done when I when she opened it and it said for Dylan Amy and Lucy it just and it was tears that needed to happen, really, Donna, you know, because we carry it around. We don't even realise we're carrying it around. I, I'm the same, you know, grief. You get on with your life. You have to. You put it to one side, you know. You, you just don't realise you're carrying it around. And something happens like, boom, 
TNT. So I'm I'm glad because it's made the girls be able to talk about it, you know, with their friends because their friends now want to read about what happened to them and maybe their friends and partners will be a bit kinder to them in life, knowing what they've been through. So yeah, as for my boys, 2020. 2029 or something, probably book it in to be read. <laughs> Better late than never, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's quite common, I find, especially with boys. So it's hard. It's very hard to read, isn't it? You know, I find it hard to read. I mean, especially when I'm writing as well. It's like, how the hell do you read and you write? You know, while I'm reading that, I should be writing that. And it's all quite especially it's like anything it's like my fitness class and people go oh I'd love to come but I haven't got the time and it's like no you have if you want to you just make the time and that's really anyone that thinks they haven't got the time me included it's, it's not true you have make time I've managed to actually read Matt Haig over the last couple of days that reasons to be alive I don't know if you've read that yeah <laughs> I, I quite like real books you know because my book's real or one of them uh, my my main one is real. Oh, I've got something to share with you, actually. I got to see this. I found out today that I'm in here. In awesome. My little one out of three, that's me. Hertfordshire Life magazine. Oh, you're in Bedfordshire. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's close. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. It is, it is. So that was nice. It's good, so I'm really pleased. <laughs> and how has the reaction to your fiction books been? Your little books? <laughs> well, that was so good, my little books. Yeah, they are. They are little. Look, look at this. I'll show you how... Look, my oh, iPhone my. is actually thicker. <laughs> than, uh, the reason for that is... I don't know if anyone's ever tried to self-publish. That's myself. It's come out like a pamphlet. It's supposed to be actually this size. Second time round with the sequel, I got it. I got it right size. <laughs> All those self-publishing, KDP, that. Um, but yeah, aside from what they look like, my pamphlet, which was my first, my first little self-published book, I had such a lovely response. People are like, oh my God, I love it, I love it, I love it. And I thought, wow, wait till you read the big one then if you like that one. So the response has been really good. And because of the response to, to my pamphlet, my first, <laughs> what pamphlet, you can read it in five minutes, it's really easy. Cheating really, writing novellas. It's because I'm impatient. Honestly, I, <laughs> I don't think I can sit and write a novel. I don't think I've got the patience. But because of them, they're like, we want to know what happened to the boys. So I had to write this, which is the follow on. So that was really good. That gives closure to that. And then, of course, I've got the other two, which this one, this is a little cosy crime thing. Those are whatever they are. I can't remember now. Tragedy, because I'm just so tragic. And this is comedy. Ooh, comedy. Very hard. <laughs> Very hard to do. But I've got this. I want to write as many genres as I can before I go to my grave. Like a bowl of sweets to be able to give people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I imagine your own memoir is probably the hardest, so everything else after that, 
in theory should be easier I guess God, yeah yeah I mean that takes some you know that's something else it's just ironic that I wrote that first it seems so funny and then they I mean I think each one of those just took just a couple of months really but this you know with the memoir just it's so important to be right I feel like because it's real it's so important to be right and it's so important to think you know am I got all my facts straight as well you know because I'm talk quite frankly about what I think about mental health issues and um, you know the medical health profession and antidepressants and how they love to dish them out you know which is bad in my opinion I, I'm not saying some people don't need them and they don't help some people of course and I'm sure but you know my opinion of antidepressants is in there so that's quite a scary one, really. And I was a bit scared and I thought, oh, I might get some backlash, but I haven't. So far, all I've just had is loveliness and it's helping people. In fact, one lady messaged me, you saying about people contact me and said, um, after reading your book, I'm going to stop taking my antidepressants. And I was like, oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't, do it, don't do it like that because you can't just stop taking them, can you? You've got to wean off. I said, please go to the doctor. So she said she would. And she's conquered it, bless her. She let me know. And she actually feels better now that she's stopped. I'm not saying that's for everyone. You know, I don't want to be like a bad advocate for antidepressants. Just that worked for her. That helped her. So that I'm pleased about. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> lots and lots of your your family were so close. This is one I never expected. You know, she said, "I've got six siblings. I'm one of seven, like you were." And I was like, oh, "Okay." She said, "But none of us are close, and we don't talk, and we all live." And she said, "Just I wish I'd had that closeness. Be grateful for what you had." And it was like, "Wow, that's turned my misery on its head." You know, there's me being sad about the loss, but it is. A cliche true, better to have loved and lost than never had it. You know, then there are other people that have said, I really appreciate my family. I went straight out and um, bought my sister a, a, like, a present and took it around. And she was like, what's wrong with you? She's like, I just, I love you. You know, so <laughs> it's nice to know. It is nice to help. That is a bonus. And I think that inadvertently has been helping me as well um which is a really funny thing and I, I I didn't expect it to happen so good so good yeah that's lovely and then you get to see your little grandchildren grow up now and then you've got a family starting all over <laughs> that's it I've got children children it's funny I and I write children children that's a good one isn't it I um I do write about that in there. You know, at some point, it's just it's life, it's evolution. You know, the the old people that are all dying off, the new ones are coming in. There's something wonderful actually. This is another thing that my partner said to me in the the depths of my grief, which I did have for a long, long time. I was very, very depressed. Um, he said, Liz, you know, he said we're all on the same bus and we're all going to the same party. And he said, don't you think you owe it to those that, you've, that we've loved and lost to enjoy your time on the bus instead of feeling sad all the time? It's the silliest sentence he's ever said to me, and it went ding. It was like honestly like a light bulb. 
I thought, oh my God, we are, we're all on the same bus. Well, it's not a surprise, people die. It's not a surprise, your parents are gonna die. Yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. That's where it's meant to go. Um, and it's the one thing that so many people in a, probably like a 25% of my reviews, people have mentioned that on the bus saying, become a thing now it's just helped a lot of people it's like wow I'm so glad I bothered to write I nearly didn't write that in because I thought sounds a bit silly but it worked for me it worked for me and you know I remember it and in my darkest moments or in my darkest moments I just used to think about that I used to think yeah we're all on the same bus you know some countries celebrate death yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I wouldn't a good go story. that far. No, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but just to you know, I mean, it doesn't stop grief. I know, you know, when your mum dies, your dad dies. That I lost my brothers and sisters. You know, my mum didn't even get a look in. She died in that. You know, in my memoir, my my sister died first, um, and two months later, my mum died. It was like two months after my sister, but we were so in shock about my sister's tragic death. Um, I, don't, I don't want to say too too much because I don't want to like upset people, you know, because there are people that don't want to read this, really. I mean, those that have read it, that are like, oh, I'm a bit scared, but I'm going to read it, have enjoyed it. But there are some people that have said, I'm too scared to read your book. And I go, don't read it. If you feel like that, if you're scared of the subject of the word suicide, don't read it. You know, but for some people it's a needed thing, but my sister did take her own life. That's how it all started. And two months, that was hard to process. And two months after that, my mum died. So that was the, the worst bit really. <clears throat> the nucleus of the tragedy, which included my other sister having a brain damage, my other sister dying from emphysema, my brother dying from alcoholism. All of that happens like this in a like a little period of time, but the the nucleus bit was my sister taking her own life and then two months later my mum dying we were so upset and in shock about my big sister taking her own life that when they said my mum had a brain tumor i just went oh oh okay like, that was the nurse looked at me and my sister like we were like really rude you'll have to get your own dinner tonight i'm afraid of me and my sister were like oh my god you don't understand it really does make you realise, you know, it puts you, grief puts you in such a lonely place. You know, it's such a lonely place. I still carried on working. Me, me and my sister were the last two remaining. My brother's still here, by the way. Sorry, I didn't mean that, Dave. But my sister were the last two remaining sisters until she eventually died. But we used to, um, you know, her way of coping was moping. And it used to really bring me down. And I understand why she was moping now. Now that she's gone and towards the end before she died, I understand why she couldn't get out of her dressing gown. You know, it's okay to not be okay. I understand all that now. I wished I'd understood everything before and that you didn't have to go for all these things to understand people's pain. But I used to get annoyed with her because my way of coping was going to work, going to all my shops, retail, dealing with people and I had all this stuff going on in my head I had all these deaths and all this tragedy going on and 
I would go into a shop and say, talk to like a shop worker in there and say, oh, you know, just come to check how many, if the deodorants come in for L'Oreal's new brand, um, product, you know, and she'd go, oh God, oh, I feel awful today. And I'd go, oh, are you okay? She'd go, oh, my chrysanthemums all blew over in last night's wind. And I'd be like, my sister's in a coma. My sister's in a coma. How do you think she, she can't eat? You know, she can't move and you're worried about your chrysanthemums. It's very isolating because you, you can't go, oh, yeah, well, my sister's in a coma or you don't want to. <laughs> so, but then that made me sympathise with people and think, wow, if you're upset about your chrysanthemums, how are you going to cope, you know, when bad things happen? So, and this is really one of the reasons that propelled me to write the book so people can, like, learn and learn to, you know, or at least be prepared, you know, that somehow, if it's even possible to be prepared. I don't think it is. No, I don't think so. Um, it's interesting talking about suicide because I think it's uh, Suicide Prevention Day today. So oh, it's nice. very good timing, I guess, if there is such a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I so, never knew that. I never knew that. And um, I am really glad to be part of something that's because, you know, what I've written was not that long ago, fairly taboo. But now, you know, mental health is a thing. You know, Kate, isn't it Kate and... Um, William, I think they champion like mental health issues and things like that. And you know, it's just, it's got so much stigma around it that shouldn't be there. Mental health varies from I'm a little bit down to I can't get out of bed, you know, or I'm a bit miserable, you know, the, the umbrella of mental health, you know, but it's really good that people are coming out and talking now and that they're doing things like this suicide awareness because I felt like a freak when my sister did that when she took her own life I felt like a freak and I'll admit it and I felt ashamed of her um and that's really horrible to admit but that's the truth I felt I felt ashamed of myself being associated and I couldn't talk about it which was why I surprised myself that I could even write it but I've grown and learned so much and as awful as it sounds to say feeling supported by things you know when Robin Williams took took his own life it was in the same way as what my sister did. I felt comforted. In that I didn't, don't mean I'm glad he did that, but I felt comforted. I was like, oh, it's not just you, it's him as well. And he was, you know, my sister had a really good job. She was very well known in, in her industry, in the film industry, um, famous, but she was famous within the industry, you know, crew members and, Likewise, big directors and film producers that knew her, so it was a shock. So when Robin Williams did that, felt some sort of comfort by it that you don't have to be mad to do something like that. Doesn't mean you're crazy, you know? It just means, wow, you can feel so bad. That's, that's the scary thing, that someone can feel so bad that there's no, no other way out. And there, there is a way out and it's called asking for help and it's called talking about it. And all this raising awareness is fantastic because it, there's probably a lot of people now that wouldn't have talked about it that might have taken that extra step like Matt Haig says in his wonderful book. If he just taken that one more step, he'd have gone off the edge of the cliff, but he, he took the step back and that sort of made me think, wow, yeah, my sister took that extra step. Lots of people took that extra step. 
there's lots of people now, if we all talk about it and raise awareness to it, that might not take that extra step. So that's a good thing. And that's what I want my book to do as well. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I've had... I've had people that have attempted but never gone through, thankfully, but it's horrendous. And, you know, they trust you to speak to you. And yet you're like, oh, my God, this is such a I don't know what to say, really. But just listening, I think, is is all I figured when I was in that situation. They didn't want me to say anything. They didn't want platitudes, didn't want anything. They just wanted someone to talk to. And yeah, and I think that's so important. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. You're um, absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Don. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, carry on. Um, as I said, there's another author um, bringing out his memoir of mental health soon called David Mark, and I think he attempted suicide. I haven't read it yet, but it seems um, that people feel more comfortable now releasing their stories, and um, it's more common than anyone could possibly have known. It so is. This is why. This is why I, 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 would, I say brave because I do consider myself brave because I am actually a private person and I felt so depressed, and so um, for a long period of time and lonely. And you're so right. What you were saying about your friends. Just to go back to that, um, there's nothing you can say that will make them feel better. That's the trouble. But they need to air it. And I know because I've been in that place. Um, where I've, where my partner has obviously tried to say all the right things, you know, it will get better. You were, and in your brain just says it won't. Oh, there'll be a light at the end. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you just time will be a healer. Shut up. You know, all the cliches. They're true. Time is a healer, actually, because you you build your life around it, and it just becomes less and less important in your life. But there's nothing you can say to someone that's suffering in that way like you say that will probably I don't mean to be horrible but will possibly make them feel worse so you're really good to just be a pair of ears and know that you also it's not good to not say anything because that's even more like when people look at you weirdly like that you know I've told people one day I actually did do that you know in the height of it all when my sister had had a crash and then nine months later my sister took her life and then two months later my mum died I was living that all in the space of like nine months I was just so like an umbrella of like weight all on my shoulders but I still went to work because that was my coping mechanism just forget it ignore it it's not happening um and one lady told me that her mum had died or something. And I just was in that mood that day where I said, well, my sister, da, 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 da. my sister had a car crash. She was in a coma. She like, now she's got brain damage. Now she can't walk. She can't eat. Uh, but she's awake enough she's to not be a vegetable so she can talk. And I just, all this stuff, it all came out. And my, my sister, then she, she hanged herself. And then two months later, my mum, and this poor, poor person went, <laughs> that, I went, anyway, catch you later. i'm sure i ruined her day for sure but i felt like it that day but it's like how do you put that in a book and then expect all these people to read it without feeling like a weirdo but you know me talking about it myself stops me feeling 
like a weirdo has stopped me I should look out for that book I'll ask you after what that that guy that book that's coming out because I'd be really interested to read it yeah I can't in a way I can't wait to read it um he's a lovely guy so um yeah it'll be interesting to see his journey but yeah he's um he ran a kickstarter campaign to get it out there I think and he's trying to get support from celebrities so it's really important to him yeah, you know, I didn't know about that because I'm just so un with internets and things. Do you know what I've just heard, though? Do you, are you on TikTok? Yeah, although I don't understand it at all. <laughs> are you on TikTok? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I read this. Yeah, yes, they say like book talk, you know, get get your book out to millions. I was like, oh no, <laughs> I've just like got my head around Instagram and I haven't got my head around Instagram. And now I've got to look at TikTok. Anyway, I went on TikTok. I tell you, my head nearly exploded. I was like, I can't, I, I cannot. I think I'd rather dig a hole in the garden, <laughs> get in it now and fill it in. And go, do you know what? If this is what I've got to do to sell my books, I'm not going to sell them. Yep, don't ask me. I have no clue. This is for the youth. It it is, isn't it? But now it's like seeming, I don't know if I believe it, you know, and I'm be interested actually if there are anybody listening to me still piffle or they haven't switched off by now. It'd be interesting to see if there's anyone else out there, any other writers that have had any experience with TikTok, because I'd be interested to know. I mean, I think we all have our preferred thing. I love Facebook. Um, I know what I'm doing with Facebook, I feel at home with Facebook, and it's been good to me, you know. And actually, one one publisher lady said to me that was going to publish my book, but I didn't go with them in the end. She said, um, don't worry about because I was like, oh, Instagram, TikTok, uh, you know, good ways. She said, Liz, just Twitter. That's another thing I'm no good at, Twitter. I wish I was. I know loads of people are, but I just don't get it. I can't see the point. But... <laughs> But she said to me, you'll have one, one preferred, um, what's the word, social media. She said, you'll have one preferred social media source and that is your one and that's the only one you need to worry about. And I was like, hallelujah. Now I feel like I can look at TikTok and Instagram and not care so much if it doesn't work out for me (laughs) and and be a twit or whatever they call them. The trouble with doing what I do is that I kind of need to be seen on all of them. So I have to learn how to use them. But TikTok has uh, eluded me so far. I have no clue. I signed up and I've just looked on the... <laughs> nah. Same, same. in a bad mood. With my brain jaded from videos that kept popping up. There is a course, actually. I might try and find it. It's a free course. It popped up in my feed. Um, a free course on the 15th of September. It's like an hour thing, just how to get your head around TikTok. And it's free. I don't know if that's of any use to you. Yeah. Or anyone else listening that's going, yeah. book talk. Book talk seems to be the thing now. Oh, <laughs> What is the world coming to, eh? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's much easier before the internet. <laughs> Love, hate. Yeah. I um, went to uni and I had all my colleagues were young. They were like 20. 
and they genuinely asked me how I used to do homework before the internet. <laughs> so, how do you think? Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Oh I never God. felt so did you did you show them that? <laughs> this thing, right? It's got wet liquid inside. And what happens is, oh my god. Yeah, no. and yeah, libraries and books and things. Like, how do you think? <laughs> how else would we do it? Oh, yeah. There's nothing like younger people making you feel old, is it? I remember when I, I bought an old um, record player not not that long ago. My I say not that long ago, it's probably a decade ago, because that to me is not that long ago now, at <laughs> my age. Um, yeah, I bought a record player. My daughter, who's like about 20-something then, she was like, oh, that looks exciting. I said, yeah, it's a record player. I said, you know all my records in the loft? We got, and she went, yeah. She goes, how does it work? She went up to the record player. She lifted the needle, and she went, I thought she was going to blow dust off it so that she could play a record. No, she went, hello, hello, <laughs> one, two, three, testing. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Stop it. I feel really ancient right now. <laughs> She'll hate me for that, by the way. I hope she's watching. Have you seen a video of young lads or young kids trying to figure out how a tape works? Like, they literally, they hold it up to their ear and they're looking at all the, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was quite depressing. They have no clue absolutely no clue how they'd possibly get music from this tape <laughs> oh do you know i am actually glad i was born in the era that i was that i know all those things in life although maybe again that said it'd be easier for them because they're all just going to be internet sensations aren't they famous on tiktok and whatever they do i mean my granddaughter's on tiktok she's on instagram it makes me like go oh what are you doing but you know it's what they do what they do so yeah maybe maybe we know we know too much don't we mm, maybe <laughs> <laughs> um well, i don't think I have any more questions for you unless there's anything else you want to tell us about oh do you know i'd sit them off all day so i don't have to do any washing up or anything but no, <laughs> no that's, that's lovely if you haven't bought it anyone if anyone cares buy this because it's good cause or buy it for someone that you know that might be upset am i allowed to do that a plug yeah absolutely and remind everyone where they can find out more about you oh um elizabeth coffee not as in the drink this is this is my name it's not my name is not elizabeth coffee my name's elizabeth coffee not as in the drink c-o-double-f-e-y um i'm on facebook Elizabeth Coffee Writer, Instagram, whatever my name is on that, Elizabeth Coffee Writer. I a TikTok person, um, Elizabeth Coffee Writer, no surprises yet. And I mean, really, if you put the title of my latest book or any of them, and the little one said, and my name in Google, it just comes up with the Amazon author bio. And on my author bio, it's got all the social media links. Because I do like talking to people, actually, and I love the messages, and they keep me going. And um, feedback is a is a wonderful thing. Talking is a wonderful thing. It's a very needed and healing thing. And long may it continue. So yeah, anyone, please message me if you want. I am here. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you very much.
Thank you. It's been lovely chatting to you today. Sun's come out now here. It's the same. <laughs>